0: Inside sources. Inside sources. Inside sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM.
1: We shouldn't get everything we want in the moment because later, upon cooler reflection, you recognize that it has probably gone too far. So, the importance of the sixty vote threshold is to ensure that no one gets everything they want, that you compromise that you find that middle ground, and by doing so you 're much more likely to pass legislation that stands the test of time that will not be reversed when the next party gains power
0: that 's Arizona Senator Kirsten Cinema over the weekend she was in Kentucky, University of uh, Kentucky uh, Louisville. And uh, at the McConnell Center there, and talking about the sixty vote threshold, uh, that filibuster rule in the United States Senate. Uh, it's an interesting thing to look at. It was a very interesting take from the Democratic senator from Arizona, saying, "Look, we we shouldn't just get everything we want when we want it. Uh, cooler heads can prevail. Uh, that might be a feature, not a bug." And I think that's a really interesting conversation. Uh, and we always talk about, uh, you know, when uh, when the, the sea is calm and the breeze is light and the sun is out, every boat in the harbor has a great captain. Uh, but when the, the sea is rough and the winds are against you and the storms really rage, uh, you better make sure you have a, a good captain on the boat. And we've actually pulled the captain off the skiff uh, today. Our uh, our good friend of the show, James Walner, resident senior fellow uh, for governance governance at the R Street Institute, we've uh, pulled him off the the choppy sea. Maybe it was a clear sky day today uh, to help us figure out uh, what Senator Sinema was saying and uh, why we all ought to take a good hard look at it.
1: Well, thanks for having me and It is a beautiful day, and you do need a good captain. But when the seas get really choppy, what you also need is a good boat <laughs> and you need a boat that 's seaworthy that isn 't going to sink on you that can handle the the trials and tribulations of popular democracy and that 's what our constitution did it 's what it gave us the architecture of the constitution really sets us apart from everywhere else in the world and gives us a leg up on everybody else and I think we 're seeing. Kristen Cinema channel a lot of that in her speech at the McConnell Center.
0: A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today.
1: Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela.
0: They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. Yeah, she, she really did. She went through uh, she actually went through the whole you know tea uh, scenario where it's the hot passion of the the House of Representatives and the the Senate is to be this cooling saucer to to bring things down a little bit. It was interesting to me, and I'd love your take on this, James. Uh, she actually said that we should go even further rather than just uh, getting rid of the uh, the filibuster on uh, some of the. Uh, judges and appointees. Uh, We really ought to do it across the board, which would really restore the Senate in a lot of ways uh, back to where we began.
1: I think that's right. And it would restore the Senate, though, but perhaps for a different reason. Your listeners may not know this, but the Senate rules still say that it takes 60 votes to end debate on a presidential nominee, a judge, or someone nominated for a cabinet position, for example. The rules still say that. It's in black and white. You can look them up. What the Senate has done is that they have chosen to ignore the rules in that regard. They didn't even bother to change them. And I think that by saying to yourself, if you're a senator, I'm going to adhere to the rules. I'm going to follow the rules. What that does is it strengthens the Senate as an institution across the board, and it makes the rules stronger. And if we look back at all of the things that the Senate has given America, some good, some bad, not everybody likes them, but the Senate has done a lot of really big stuff in its history. And it's done a lot of really big stuff following its rules and using its rules. And it's only recently when the Senate has decided that its rules don't matter, that they're going to ignore the rules, that it's really interesting because the Senate doesn't pretty do much of anything anymore. Yeah. So maybe the Senate needs its rules to actually do stuff.
0: Yeah. That's such an interesting thing. I want you to dig back into that for a second, because I just want everyone to realize what they just heard. So the rules were not changed in the Senate as it relates to nominees in particular, that there's still that 60 vote threshold, but both, Uh, When controlled by Republicans and when controlled by Democrats, they're just saying we're just going to ignore that rule. And uh, no one's standing up and saying, well, you can't ignore that rule.
1: That's right. And for your listeners who have children, you know how perilous this is. If you have a rule that you write down, that you say this this is the rule and these are the consequences for breaking it. And then you decide selectively to only enforce it in certain instances. What that does is it goes beyond that particular instance, and it breeds kind of contempt for the rules overall, mm. and it makes them seem less valuable, and it really undermines the rules. And you, we see right now the Senate can't do anything when it doesn't have rules, when senators don't have a clear roadmap on how to do things, and they can't say, look, I will reconcile myself to this outcome in the present. I'll compromise now because I know in the future by following these rules that I might get a better deal. But when there are no rules and they don't matter, all we have is kind of just brute force. But that doesn't really work in the United States Senate.
0: Yeah, that's right. And we often just end up with those swings back and forth, uh, depending on who's in power. Uh, And uh, we've been talking a little bit today as well about uh, divided government, that the American people seem to keep voting for that uh, checks and balances or, hey, we don't like it when you go to the extremes and just, you know, kind of jam things through uh, on party line votes. Uh, as you look at rolling into the midterm, James, from your unique experience in the in the Senate and in Washington, uh, what are you sensing? Uh, and is there going to be a, a window coming out of 2022 where maybe we do go back uh, to following the rules uh, and, and actually getting better results?
1: There may be. I mean, I, I, I don't want to be. Um, too negative here, but I don't think that the Senate is going to operate that much differently if it is 41 seats for Republicans and 49 seats for Democrats, or vice versa, for that matter. I think the Senate's going to continue to operate like it's been operating. Uh, Senator Sinema, though, in her speech, I think, harkens back to an older Senate. In an older time, when senators got Together and they compromised. And that doesn't mean that they don't have principles, that they don't believe in things. It means that they fought, they disagreed, and then they ultimately decided to compromise. And if we get back to that, then I think that we, the American people, will be very happy. But right now, it seems to me that no one is happy with the status quo on the left or the right, which is pretty astounding if you think about it, because the status quo keeps on ticking along and it has no defenders, which doesn't make a lot of sense. But when no one's trying to use the rules to actually do big things in American politics anymore, then I guess that's why we kind of keep getting what we're getting.
0: Yeah. Uh, I've been wanting to ask you this, James, as we uh, look at, uh, obviously, Senator McConnell has been there both as the minority leader and the majority leader for a very long time. Chuck Schumer's been in the Senate for a very long time uh, as and is now the leader of the Democrats in the Senate. Uh, is this a generational thing? Uh, is it is it someone like Going to be someone like a Senator Cinema who's going to say, you know what, uh, it's time to to change, to do something different. Uh, but will the power of the political parties continue to dominate? I, I always say, you know, if it's a fifty fifty one forty nine or a fifty fifty Senate, uh, it only takes twenty six votes to become the majority leader. Uh, and it seems to me that both on the left and the right, surely somebody could cobble together. Uh, at least 24 or 25 votes uh, to actually start a very different discussion.
1: Well, I think that points to why I don't see a lot changing inside the Senate. McConnell praising cinema is very cynical because McConnell himself disregards the rules. McConnell himself has urged Republicans to ignore the rules, to confirm nominees when he thinks it's in his interest. And then he condemns Democrats for doing the same thing when it's not in his interest. And it's that kind of behavior. It ultimately gets us to where we are today. I think if you look throughout congressional history, when Congress changes, and it's never easy or fun to change an organization from the inside. But when it does change, it's because of outliers, either conservatives or progressives or within the Republican Party, progressive Republicans, but people who come into the institution, senators and House members into Congress, and they decide that it isn't working for them. And so they go outside of the institution, they talk to the American people, they talk to their constituents, they harness their, the power there, and they bring it to bear on their colleagues, and they ultimately force their colleagues to do things differently. That's what happened in the 1960s and 70s, when the Congress and the Senate had probably its greatest period of legislative productivity in its entire history. Mm-hmm. And it's because you had liberal Democrats and conservative Republicans pushing do things, And then they ultimately come together and they compromise along the way. But we have to have that impetus for change. And that will originate from outside and it will originate with the people voting for senators who ultimately come in and do not see the status quo is acceptable. And you're right. Say we're going to we want different leaders, leaders who are going to help us be senators and not just leaders who are going to try to manage the Senate like it's a giant factory.
0: Yeah, uh, such important, great perspective as always. Uh, James Walner, we'll let you uh, captain that ship anytime. Uh, (laughs) Help us navigate those waters. We appreciate your perspective on this one. 26 people, that's the number. Whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, 26 could change leadership. I think it could change everything in the United uh, States Senate, regardless uh, of the parties. But uh, James, thanks for coming off the water. Thanks for uh, giving us some great insight today. Thanks for having me. All right, we'll step aside for one last commercial break. I think that's important stuff right there. Uh, The institution, the individuals can change it. uh, But you have to be willing to challenge the status quo, and you have to be able to risk losing an election, and that's a risk worth taking.
1: Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport.
0: There's desperation and anguish.
1: More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Martin, and my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we will find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.